Good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning with us, and uh, man, what a great time of worship uh, this morning, just a glimpse of what heaven's going to be uh, someday. Before we get into the message and the new uh, series that we're starting this morning, I just want to let you know about something. We have uh, been talking for months about our, our new app, the Oakwood app, and of course we told you how to download that probably 20 times, 25 times if you've been at church. One of the problems we were having is as people got on the app, they were getting on our guest network and it was crashing all the time. So we just want to let you know we've been working three weeks on laying new Cat6 cable, fiber optic lines throughout the building, upgraded our internet four times the speed that it was before, uh, got all brand new switches and, and just a brand new network. And so uh, there's a new network that's online this morning, and if you go to Oakwood Guests, you'll be able to get on there. Our new HD access points, which are in the sanctuary, actually uh, handle about 1,000 people all at once getting on the internet. So I want to let you know about that. If you've experienced that problem in the past, maybe I, I love the app, but it always crashed and I couldn't get on. Uh, try that again this morning. Get on the app. You can follow along. Just go to the sermons and go to sermon notes at the top there. It's got all the scriptures, all the bullet points, everything we'll be talking about this morning is right there for you. And so we just invite, invite you to be a part of that and connect with us uh, that way. But we're beginning a series today called Love Can, and if you're wondering, well, what, is, what does that mean, Love Can? We're going to be talking uh, for the next four weeks about what love can do in our lives. If we actually will live out uh, a, a God-centered type of love in our lives, the difference that it can make, we're going to learn that in, in four different ways. Uh, today we're going to be talking about how love can rescue relationships. Love can rescue my relationships. Next week we'll be talking about how love can overcome my circumstances. Overcome whatever circumstances are coming into your life. The next week we'll be talking about how love can shape my purpose in life. Shapes just the whole reason for being. And the last week we'll be talking about how love can change the world. How love can really change the world if we live out God's kind of love. You know, one of Jesus' closest followers was one of his disciples and his name was John. And John wrote some books in the New Testament. One of the books was 1 John. And in 1 John 4... Uh, 16, and you have to understand something about John first, is that John really knew Jesus well. He hung out with Jesus a lot. A lot of times you read in Scripture that Jesus went somewhere, and it, it would always say that Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. It seemed to be these three guys just seemed to be always with Jesus. Whatever Jesus was engaged in, they were engaged in. Well, John being one of those, he wrote this about God in 1 John 4, 16. He said it, and it's very similar. He says, God is love. God is love. He could have wrote that God is all about love. He could have written that God is for love. That God gives love. That God evokes love. I mean, he could have written a lot of things there, but he said it quite simply, that God is love. And that would be, be one of the most simple and yet the most profound statements in all of Scripture. Because God not only shows us his love and offers us his love through his son Jesus, he in his very nature is love. And that love can transform us and change us as people. During this series, we're going to look at several passages of the Bible that talk about love. And we're going to discover how God's love can be a game changer in our lives. Today we're going to start talking about relationships. Even the relationships that we've messed up that maybe we have left in a state of disrepair for weeks, maybe months, maybe for some of us years, God can restore. God's love can repair. Love can. I want to begin this morning by just sharing this with you. God's love 
can rescue my relationships as I let him empower me to love consistently in a way I can't on my own. That may be just where we need to start this morning is just to admit, I can't on my own love people the way that God wants me to. We all have those relationships that are in need of rescue. I, I know I talk to um, parents um, in, in their 50s and 60s sometimes, and they often refer to a relationship that's, that's broken or it's not healthy with one of their kids. Maybe their kids went astray, they went their own direction, they're like, hey, this is not how we raised them. We raised them with this set of values, and then they went off in the world, and they got their own set of values, and, and, and so we're troubled by that, and there's this strain on the relationship. For others of us, it could be a friendship. We were best friends with someone for years, and then we feel like, man, they stabbed me in the back. They betrayed me. They hurt me, and, and, and I'm never going to let that go. For others of us, it's, it's our marriage is the relationship that needs rescued. We're struggling so much with what's going on in our own house. We can't even focus on relationships at work or, or with friends or with other family. You see, we all have relationships that are in need of a rescue. And whether it's due to neglect, whether it's due to some big conflict that happened, or just the busyness of life, there may, the reasons may be different, but we all end up in the same place, this place of broken relationships. And in some cases, it may seem to us like the relationship is broken and it's beyond repair. It's beyond saving. I'm here to tell you, don't give up on God. Because God can rescue and redeem anything. Let me ask you this morning this question. What relationship in your life today is in need of rescue? What relationship in your life is in need of rescue? As we ponder that this morning, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's kind of in the middle of the New Testament. If you didn't bring your Bible this morning, you just want to grab the one that's provided for you there in your seat. Just grab that Bible, turn it to page 960. You'll be right where we need to be this morning, or you're always um, welcome to follow along on the, on the Oakwood app and the sermon notes section there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you've been around church or been a Christian for any amount of time, you probably know that this is called the love chapter in the Bible. It's the, it's the chapter that's all about love. So I think it's appropriate that we would begin our journey in the next few weeks in this chapter. But we're only going to look at two verses. We're just going to look at verse 4 and verse 5 of the love chapter here in 1 Corinthians. And this is what it says. It says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It's so short and so concise, and yet there's so much there. Let's read it again. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not envious or boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not proud. And it's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. So it's not self-seeking. It's not selfish in nature. And then it goes on to say what else it is not. It is not irritable. It is not easily angered. And it is not resentful. It doesn't hold on to uh, resentfulness and, and, and unforgiveness and bitterness. It keeps no record of wrongs, is what the NIV says. So how can 
God's love rescue my relationship, my broken relationship that I feel like is in disrepair, the one that I'm struggling with the most in my life, the one when I was asked the question, what relationship in life it needs rescue, that's the one I thought about. That's the one that came into mind. I want to offer you hope with four things from the scripture this morning. And the first one is this, God's love can grow our patience. God's love can grow our patience. What did it say there in the beginning of verse 4? It says that love is what? Patient. The opposite of impatient. So many times we're impatient. But God is telling us here that love is patient. Love is patient. I like to think of patience as being uh, patient with someone as being long-suffering with them. Being uh, offering forbearance with them through all of the, the hiccups and all the trials and all the tribulations that come in a life with another person and someone that we have a relationship with. That we're to put on and practice patience. Here, here's a great definition of what it looks like. Patience means creating margin in your heart for the faults of others. What if we just started there and we were patient with people because we have created margin in our heart that they're going to mess up. And they're going to hurt us. And they're going to sin against us. Margin in our heart for the fault of others. And this doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat to someone who's a bully. That you have to daily let someone come in and wipe their feet on you. That's not what we're talking about here. It doesn't mean that, that when others have faults and they hurt us or they, they betray us. Or maybe they just annoy us. It says that we are to show and respond in patience with them. That we're to forbear with them. That we are to suffer alongside of them. I think that if we pause for a minute and think about how God is patient with us, that maybe we could offer that patience to someone else. Because God shows us this kind of love because he is painstakingly patient with us. I always tell people, be glad I'm not God. If I were God and you had continued to sin against me after I sent my son to die on the cross for you, after I've done everything to restore a relationship with me, I've done it all. I didn't ask you to do any of it. I did it all myself. And you continue to sin against me in my game. If I were God, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm through. There would come to a point with me in my humanness, in my flesh, where I would say, I'm done. But God is patient with you. And it never ceases to amaze me that God doesn't get done with people. And I think, when it comes to us, how dare we sometimes decide, oh, I'm done. Are you, are you allowed to do that as a Christian? <laughs> to just declare, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have patience with you and forbear with you and suffer with you any longer. I'm just done. I think if you think about how God loves us, if you think about how God is patient with us, then maybe it would buy us some more time and some more patience to consider. We need to create some margin in our hearts for the faults of others. God's love can grow our patience. And I'm not preaching to you this morning from a place of perfection in this area of my life because I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> but I'm learning just as you are that God wants us to be patient because if we're going to love and we're going to really champion the cause that love can change things in lives. Love can rescue relationships. And it starts with the fact that God's love can grow our patience for one another. 
The second thing this morning is God's love can release more kindness. God's love can release more kindness. What did it say there in verse 4? It said that love is patient and kind. Love is kind. When we think about kindness, I think sometimes we're very superficial about kindness. Some of us think that kindness is like common courtesy. Like we just say please and thank you to someone, that's being kind to them. If we would actually look someone in the eye and acknowledge them as a person and say hello, maybe speak, speak to them, then that would be someone just being really kind, you know. Uh, sometimes we champion that. I, I know we, we sometimes come home to our homes and say, hey, I want you to let you know that, that today at school, no one was talking to this kid, but I did. I was being kind. I spoke to them. I said, hello. That's all I said to them, but I was being kind, okay. You know, there's that person in the lobby at church that was obviously new this week, and no one was talking to them. I just want you to know, I went up there, and I shook their hand. I said, hello. How are you? Yeah, I was kind. Now, we're talking about kindness beyond the superficial. Not to say that those things aren't kind, but I don't think that's the depth of what God is talking about here when he says that love is patient and love is kind. We're talking about deeds and a kind of action because those are the things that mean a lot to us. Let me give you an example. We have somebody on our staff here at church that is very, very kind, very, very kind-hearted person. And what they do is we have birthdays throughout the year in different months, and this person has taken the time to know everybody's favorite dessert. So whether that's, you know, Katie's cookies or it's brownies or it's, you know, we have weird people on staff that like red velvet cake. Um, we have people that like angel food cake. And, and so anyway, but whatever your favorite is, around your birthday, you almost anticipate it now because you're going to show up to a staff meeting and there's your favorite dessert in the world that's on the table. That's kindness. That's something that went above and beyond you know, you were actually thinking of another person. You had to actually go and find out what they like. Then you actually had to schedule yourself to buy the ingredients. Then you actually had to make it. Then you actually had to bring it to staffing and coordinate all that. You think about that. There's a lot of work that went into that. And we step back and go, wow, I can't believe they remembered me in that way. That was truly kind. It exudes love when we feel loved on in that way. That there would be acts of kindness. That there would be an attitude towards someone with a bias for action, that we're actually going to act on this kindness, this love I have for you, makes me want to be kind to you, makes me want to serve you, makes me want to bless you. Kindness, I'll say it this way, kindness goes first and goes beyond. When you say that love is kind, kindness goes first and it goes beyond. I'm going to be the first one in this broken relationship that I'm trying to rescue. I'm going to be the first one to be kind. And to put away everything that's happened. I'm going to be the one that goes beyond. I'm going to be the one that, that sticks with it, that keeps trying, that keeps putting the best foot forward. I'm going to go beyond in service. I'm going to, be go, I'm going to go beyond what is expected. Because you see, that is true kindness. I'm here to tell you this morning, God's love can release even more kindness than what we have given now. A lot of us would look at ourselves and say, you know what, I'm, generally, I'm a very kind person. But I think there's a whole other level that you could get to. Let God's love challenge you in that. So God's love can grow our patience. God's love can release more kindness from within us. The third thing is God's love can encourage our humility. It can encourage our humility. What does it say there in our passage? It said that love does not envy or boast. It is not what? Arrogant. It's not proud. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. I'm here to tell you this morning that through the years when I've 
dealt with so many people that have struggled in relationships, whether that be a marriage or, or a dating relationship or a relationship in a family or with a friend, so many times that insisting on their own way is the root of the problem. That is a really, really big problem is that they insist upon their own way. But it says here that love does not envy, that love does not boast and look out for number one, and love is not arrogant and proud, and love is not rude to other people, and it does not insist on its own way. It's always putting someone else first. Look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says, have this mind among yourselves, Christians, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was made in the form of God as the Son of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by doing what? By taking on the form of a servant. In what form did Jesus take on? Being born in the likeness of men. Do you understand what it's saying right there? That Jesus was the Son of God. That he was in heaven with the Father. And he humbled himself just by coming to earth and being born in a, in a manger in Bethlehem. Just by taking on that bodily form. He took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. Then it goes on about him. It says, and being found in human form, in that humility, it says that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to God and God's plan, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. But he, didn't, he came to die, but he didn't come to just die an easy way. He didn't just drink some poison or do something. He actually died the most torturous, horrible, suffering death that he could ever die. And it says right there in Philippians 2 that Jesus, the Son of God, he humbled himself. You see, God extends us this humility through Jesus Christ because he decided to make us more important than himself on the cross of Calvary. Jesus in that moment did the most selfless thing in human history by offering his body as a sacrifice. You see, humility is considering others better than yourself. Humility is considering others better than yourself. I want you to turn to a neighbor right now and I want you to say to someone sitting next to you, you are so much better than me. Say it right now. You are so much better than me. All right, it shouldn't take that long. Okay, both sides, all right. That's really, in essence, what the scripture is saying here, is that you are so much better than me. You are so much important to me, and I'm going to humble myself in this relationship. I'm going to take on the form of a servant in this relationship, I'm going to look like Jesus in this relationship by taking on this form. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to become a servant. And God's love, I'm here to tell you this morning, God's love can encourage our humility, that we would be a more humble people. And if we don't, if we aren't boastful, and we aren't proud, we aren't envious, and we aren't arrogant, we aren't rude, and we're not seeking our own way and insisting on our own way, our relationships tend to be a lot better. Because if you can imagine a husband and a wife that, that come in and say, well, I'm not getting my needs met. Well, I'm not getting my needs met. Where's that relationship going to go? Nowhere fast. But they've got to humble themselves and say, you know what? I'm not going to make it just about me and getting my needs met. I'm actually going to humble myself. I'm going to consider others as better than myself. And I'm going to look like Jesus in this circumstance. And through his love, love can encourage our humility through Christ. The fourth thing, and the last thing this morning, is that God's love can empower for our forgiveness. God's love 
can empower our forgiveness. What does it say there in our passage, the end of verse 4 and verse 5? It says, it is that love is not irritable or resentful. It's not going to be resentful and hang on to the wrongs done it. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs is what that means. The irritable, resentful. It's not easily angered. It doesn't keep any record of wrongs. Forgiveness is the only way that any relationship will ever make it. It's the only way. If you have a friendship and your best friend in the world, they're going to do something that's going to hurt you. They're going to do something that's wrong. And you have to have forgiveness, otherwise that relationship will never make it. If you're in a marriage and you're living with someone 24-7, forgiveness is the only way that that marriage is going to make it. Because you have to forgive each other constantly. If you're in a family relationship, well, maybe just someone that's just a bully. They're just, they're just mean or they're rude or, or maybe they're not humble at all. They're just, they're just arrogant. They demand their own way. Forgiveness is the only way that you'll ever be able to make that relationship work. Because if you don't forgive, the relationship will stay or become broken. Here's, here's the truth of this. When I keep score, even when I win, the relationship loses. When I keep score and I keep a record of wrongs and I'm going to hang on to what you said and I'm going to hang on to what you did and that wasn't right and this was when I hang on to that, even though I feel like, hey, I win, I'm justified in the way I feel. I'm justified in the way this relationship is, is playing out. Even when you win, the relationship loses because there's not really a relationship there if you can't forgive, if you hang on to things from the past. And to most of us, this isn't new this is like, wow, I've never heard that before. But it's one of those things, it's so much harder to live out than it is to hear it preached. So much harder to live out than to, to read it in the Bible. Healthy relationships are not those that are absent of conflict like you may think. Healthy relationships are those who learn how to work through conflict. If you're in a relationship, you say, well, we, we just have an absence of conflict. You're probably lying, okay? If there are people involved, there's going to be some conflict, <laughs> But healthy relationships are the ones that actually learn to work through the conflict. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35, there's a story of the unmerciful servant. This servant owed his master a large sum of money. Most scholars believe something that would be equivalent today of fifty dollars to $100,000 he owed his master. And he went to the master, and the master was saying, hey, I'm not collecting this debt fast enough. I know you're working for me, and so, um, you know, I'm going to put you in prison until this debt is paid off in full. And he begged and pleaded for mercy from the master. And the master said, you know what? I'm going to forgive your debt, paid in full, marked it off. You don't owe me anything. Go back to work. Can you imagine the freedom? I mean, those of you that are in debt, in, in financial situations, some way, can you imagine someone just saying, oh, yeah, your house just paid off. <laughs> Your car that you're paying way too much in the month of payment, paid it off. All that debt on your credit card, paid it off. Can you imagine how, I mean, would you not want to celebrate, party, go be nice to other people? Then this guy, what he did is he returned to work and he went out in the field and he got a hold of a guy that owed him five bucks. And that was the equivalent of it. It was like just a very small amount of money. And, and he was getting in this guy's face. He says, you got to pay me back in full. You got to pay me five bucks. He actually had his fellow worker thrown in prison until he paid off the debt. I'm thinking, what is this guy's problem? Because on a whole lot of levels, you're like, first of all, that's just wrong. And second of all, that is just weird. Why would he do that? I mean, he's just been given so much grace and forgiveness from his master. Why? 
why couldn't he extend that grace to someone else? Well, the story goes that uh, his master got wind of that. And he called that servant that he'd forgiven all that debt for back in. And he's like, what is this that I've heard that, that you, 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 you had a brother thrown in prison? Who'd you like five bucks? When, when I paid all of this for you, it goes on to say that he will face the judgment from his master because of the deed that was done. Now here's what I want you to get from that this morning, is that God has forgiven us so much through his son, Jesus Christ. It, it just really seems almost even absurd for us to not be able to extend that forgiveness to others. Because the fact is, folks, we got to let some things go. we got to let some things go. In fact, you need to let it all go, for being honest. Yeah, you're entitled to your moment of truth. You're entitled to your moment of having a feeling. But at some point, if you want to rescue a relationship, you're just going to have to let it go. Sometimes they don't get it. <laughs> and sometimes they never will. I've always, always encouraged, uh, when Jesus was teaching so many times, he would teach, and you read the, the New Testament, the Gospels, Jesus would teach, and at the end of a really hard teaching, he would say something like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And they go on teaching some more. At the end of that one, he'd be like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's like, what does that mean? He who has ears to hear, didn't everybody there have ears? I mean, but what Jesus was saying is that some of you get it and some of you don't. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But some of you don't. Some of you don't get it. And Jesus didn't say, I condemn the people that don't get it and they're not welcome into my kingdom. And I will not die on the cross for them. I'll die for everyone else, but I'm not going to die for them. That's not what Jesus did. He offered forgiveness. And as Christians, we have to let these offenses and these hurts go because it's the most freeing experience that you'll probably ever have as a human on the earth. It's to give up your right to be right, to give up your right to right the wrong. And it's not an optional. It's not optional if you're a believer. If you're, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4.32 says this. It says, be kind to one another and tenderhearted. How? Forgiving one another. How? Well, just as God in Christ forgave you. It's not an option. we talk about God's love and the fact that his love can rescue a relationship we need to understand that there's a relationship that has to be rescued before any of our human ones will start getting in alignment I mean you could try so hard to be patient with someone you can be kind to someone you can humble yourself and become a servant of someone and you can forgive them for what they've done but if you don't have this one relationship right at the beginning you're never going to fully grasp what love can do you see God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross because of love for us and God's love rescues us God's love rescues us it rescues you and it rescues me and you see God's love can rescue any relationship but he does it in a way we don't think that he will. He does it by actually changing us. So many times, don't you get frustrated with people and you're like, oh God, please, and we pray about this. Oh God, please change the circumstances of my situation. Just change the circumstances. Help this person to move far away. Help them to move to Alaska, Lord. 
in the name of Jesus, you know, help them to do this, help them to do that. You know, God, change their circumstances. If you change the circumstances, then the relationship will get better. It will just cease to exist. We'll forget it. God doesn't do that sometimes. Sometimes we want God, we, we, we pray to God to, to save the relationship by changing the other person. God, if you just change them. God, if you just help them see. God, change their heart. God, give them, give them the vision to see. Just, just change them, Lord. That would be easier too. It's like move far away, change them. Great. That's not the way God does it most of the time. God wants to rescue the relationship by changing us. And love can do that, can it? It's going to be really hard for you to let God help you rescue a relationship if your relationship isn't right with him. And this morning, he would stand before you and he would ask you a very pointed question and say, do you love me? Do you love me? Because if you love me, then I want you to show that love to others. Because you haven't always been very loving to me. I, I know what you said this week. I know how you've used my name in vain. I know how you watch media and consume media that just tears me apart. You haven't always been so loving to me, but I'm being loving to you. And I'm patient and long-suffering with you. And I'm asking you to go out in the world and to extend that love to others. Do you have that relationship right with God this morning? Are you to that point in your life and your relationship with God that you understand something like love can because you understand and you get what God did for you? And you understand that He wants you to in turn through that relationship with him, get the power to extend that love and that grace and that forgiveness to someone else. If you try it on your own, I'm just not sure you'll ever quite be successful. But if you do it in God's power, I think you will always be successful. You allow God to do his part in your life. And then you go and you live that out and you share that love with others. Because if we do that, I think there will be a lot of relationships that are rescued. Because I truly and sincerely believe that love 